podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Hey! hey. hey. Oh, this is weird. Uh, this is weird. This, this is Pod 327, and it's historic because it's the first podcast we've ever done not in the same room. Thank you very much, coronavirus. Uh, we are doing this remotely from the comfort of our own houses. Uh, I'm Jim Daly, and joining me from his living room and new to Skype is James Endicott. Hello, how are you? Very good. And how are you finding Skype? This is your first Skype call. It's good because I, I well, is it, it's just looking at pictures of you, isn't it? And Andy. I mean, and who wouldn't want that? Let's be honest. I know, it's amazing. It's, uh, in fact, he's, he's really clear. His picture's clear and he's quite clean shaven. And you're a bit scruffy, actually, and a bit pixelated. The virus has not been good to me. <laughs> um, it hasn't been good to you at all. <laughs> Thanks, mate. And also joining us, um, Andy Street. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not too bad at all. Now, guys, the first thing we should do before we start anything on the pod is, of course, pass on our best wishes to all our listeners and anyone who's isolating uh, and trying to stay sane and safe uh, during this virus. We hope you're washing your hands. We hope you're well. If you do have the virus, we hope you recover. I don't know. Someone might have it. Um, But we do hope that everyone is safe and well uh, to all our listeners, how are you guys? Endicott, how are you dealing with the uh, self-isolation at the moment? I'm loving it, actually, because it means I can stay at home all day and listen to jazz records. <laughs> yeah. And also, I don't have to talk to the public. Okay. I'm having a good time, actually. And Street, how about, how about you? Yeah, it's been really good. I, I, I very much enjoyed being in constant contact with my toddler. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Two people having very different experiences of... Uh, the isolation from the virus. Save me. Send help immediately. (laughs) Right. Let's crack on with a review from iTunes. This one comes from Russell Collins, and he's called it Grumpy Old Men Moaning About Palace, and it's brilliant. 325 episodes and counting. A fantastic and up-to-date pod on all things Crystal Palace Football Club. It's mainly old Palace fans. Old Palace fans? How dare you? In the world of comedy, media, journalism... Who's the journalist? Um, who moan about Palace's failures and successes. Highly recommended. Oh, very good. Which of those, which of those do I fit into? Uh, mm, I don't know. You haven't been on it for a while, to be fair, so maybe that's why that review has come in there. Um, are you, Unbelievable. Are you ready for a shout-out to a random patron? Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, this week, our shout-out goes to... I'm going to put a drum roll in here. Ben Suffolk! Hey! Well done, Ben. Well done, Ben. And you can join our patron at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Now, guys, in part one, we're going to talk about the coronavirus because we really like to bring the mood down a little bit. And we've got some questions from people about what that's doing to the football season, which, of course, has been suspended until the end of April at the very earliest. Then in part two, we've got an article from The Athletic. And then in part three, we're going to try, the three of us, to come up with our greatest ever Crystal Palace team, which, of course, will then be the official FYP greatest ever Palace team. Uh, But before we do that, let's talk about the coronavirus. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, scary. Uh, Well, it is a bit weird, isn't it? You know, we're all isolated now. Football has been... The last time, Enders, I can remember... Well, not remember because I wasn't around, but the last time I've ever known of football being suspended like this was wartime. We're living in sort of wartime football period, aren't we? It's very weird. Well, it, it is weird because it's um, it's a war against something we can't see as well, isn't it? Uh, and it's almost like, and especially living where we do in London at the moment, it's been so beautiful the last three or four days. It's been perfect footballing weather. The spring's here. And it's just like, it's just weird. It's just weird to get your head around the whole thing. But it's also weird to think about football as well because so everything else seems so important, and football is important. But it's, I don't know. It's just it's just a very weird time. It's a very weird time. Yeah, it is. That's a, that's a good point about you know. Obviously, things more important than football are happening. But Andy, football is very important to a lot of people, and actually, without it, it's a big gap in people's lives. And I think we, I've started to realise, actually, I really do need football just to kind of keep me ticking along and actually almost help distract me from uh, the bad things that are happening in life, like this coronavirus. It has actually left a big hole for people, hasn't it? Uh, I, I saw a quote the other day. I think it was attributed to Sarri, although I'm not sure if it was actually him who said it. But football is the most important of the least important things. And that's, I think, probably right. Um, yes, it's not up there with matters of life and death or matters of high politics or public health, but you know it does give people something to distract themselves with and to be entertained by. And certainly if you support a community club, it gives that sense of social cohesion, belonging, and all that sort of stuff that people take some real um, identity from and um, really do need. And that's why... Palace making the calls that they have apparently been making to season ticket holders over 70 such an important thing. Um, lots of people are obviously in isolation, lots of them will live alone at the moment who are in isolation. So uh, at least that's sort of providing a bit of a replacement for that sense of community that's derived from supporting a club like Palace. Exactly. And for people that are isolated or or older like that, you know, Palace is a really important way of connecting to the community. And I think those kind of things, Enders, like those are things that you you really want your club to do. And when you see other clubs doing it, you think, I wish Palace did that. And it was really wonderful to see that Palace were making those calls. And they'd made 500, 600 calls to, to Palace fans over 70. Um, you know, it is, at the end of the day, football is just a bunch of guys kicking a ball around, you know, and, you know, and it is in, you look at the rule books, that's what it is. But we all know, and everybody listening to this knows it's more than that. And it is about the community. And, you know, every football club's got a, should have a great community built around the club. And Palace is special to us, you know, and we think it's the best club in the world purely because it is. 
<laughs> when you hear that, you know, people at the club are phoning up fans, you know, and really going out of their way to do stuff, it's it's it means a lot to you, you know, in the same way that, you know, fans saved the club when it was about to die, you know. And here we are, the, the club is hopefully saving people's lives. And that sounds dramatic, and it is dramatic, but it's actually true. They're hopefully saving people's lives by calling them up and making sure people are okay. And, you know, it can be, and you can only thank the club for doing that. And, you know, hats off to them. No, I think you're right. And I think, you know, people underestimate the, uh, the mental health impact on uh, these kind of things and the isolation that can have. And so I think actually a connection, even if it is just a phone call from Palace checking up on, on people, I think can have a massive impact and it could save lives. You're right. Yesterday, our government asked for, you know, 250,000 volunteers to, and one of their jobs would be to phone people up, would be to phone the over 70s. And I've volunteered and hopefully I, I will end up phoning up somebody and making them feel better. But Palace did that already. And that's brilliant. You know what? They, they were ahead of the curve, which is great, which is a great thing for them. And we should be very proud of them. Love that. Listen, let's, um, Street, I do want to come on to you in a bit and talk about, we have, we have, we've had some sort of technical questions about, uh, the coronavirus and sort of the legality uh, of uh, the impact on it, player contracts, that kind of thing. Before we do that, I've had a question from all three of us, from Mike Cooling. Hi, Mike. And, Hi, Mike. And Mike says, good evening, guys. How are you getting your daily exercise? Street. This is our one daily exercise we're allowed. I'm sprinting after Freddie to stop him throwing stuff through the window, through the door, knocking stuff off, doing all sorts of stuff. So chasing after a toddler is my daily exercise. Uh, I know that's a lie. Um, Enders, I, I'm also going for a walk in the park each day. Oh, good. I'm I'm doing. I'm actually going out for a walk every day for about an hour and a half. I go for a walk because I've, I've, I'm very lucky around here where I live in near sort of Forest Hill, Catfordy Way. There's lots of hills, lots of open parks, lots of nice space, and you can be you can be as far away from people as you really want to be. And if anybody gets close, I just look at them and they run away anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Uh, right. Uh, here's a question from Mike Clark. Hi, Mike. This is uh, one for Andy. Um, how do we see the contract issues working out if the season goes into July? Will loans just carry on? Could players out on loan be recalled after June 30th? I guess players out of contract could sign monthly contracts. Doesn't really affect us, but I guess... Uh, not having in, in, anyone in on loan, but it could affect the relegation battle. I guess this is something clubs are probably sort of working on now, Andy, isn't it? It's quite unprecedented. Well, I think clubs will have to work on it, but equally the uh, governing bodies are going to have to think about it as well because one way you can look at it is, as a governing body, you can say, well, we wipe our hands of that. That's a private matter between the club and the player. We're not too fussed about whether or not their contracts expire at the end of June, notwithstanding that the... the uh, games may go beyond then um, or what, what they may end up thinking is well actually to re- uh, preserve the integrity of the competition for the current season albeit they'll run over a season what we could do is impose a requirement on them so that they are all required to enter into extensions variations or whatever whatever way you look at it it's going to be messy because you're either having to come up with a unilateral rule change which requires people to enter into all sorts of new contracts or you're just leaving it in the lap of the gods and seeing who's more fortunate than others because some players will be really good and expired at, at that point some players will you know have still 18 months to run it will be a, pretty much a lottery as to who will be able to end the season in a sort of stronger state or, or a weaker state and really in some ways it'll be like sort of 
uh, a transfer window that isn't a transfer window because p- clubs will lose players and absent some big move by FIFA, UEFA, the FA, Premier League, whoever. Lots of clubs will find themselves in a slightly jeopardy situation where they will lose players that they would expect to have to the end of the season and now won't because the season runs longer. So this that's just one of the many issues where the, the leagues, the uh, federations, FIFA, all have to think of what the most elegant solution is. It's a really difficult situation generally, so I don't think they're going to come up with the perfect solution to it. Um, it may be that clubs, I think, will probably end up on an ad hoc basis trying to negotiate with the individual players to extend by a few months those players that they think are going to be important for the end of the season. But it's, it's going to be messy. And, and it'll be messy between clubs and players. It'll be messy between uh, clubs and sponsors. It'll be messy between clubs and broadcasters and the league and broadcasters. So uh, I heard you saying last week that lawyers will be kept busy over all this. And I probably have to endorse that. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say I'd necessarily celebrate that. I said that I would endorse that view. I think there's there's all sorts of legal issues that are going to arise in this. Um, lots of which are going to be pretty fraught. Uh, you, you summarised quite a few of them really well last week with uh, Dom and Kevin, and a lot of it. This you know you can be a trained and qualified lawyer and know what you're talking about, but a lot of this is still so uncertain because no one knows quite how that how long this is going to rumble on for. Um, no one knows whether or not it's going to be possible for clubs to play behind closed doors. All sorts of things are still up in the air. So until some of those things start to settle and it becomes clearer how quickly certain countries will recover, it becomes clearer whether or not certain clubs have been able to adequately isolate their squads so that they have a squad that could technically play behind closed doors, I think we're not going to see a lot more clarity on a lot of these issues for a little while. Oh, it's so good to have street back, isn't it? He's answering the questions that we don't want to answer. He's answering the questions I don't understand. The, the question, never mind the answer. Well, the thing is, Enders, like, I mean, we're used to, you know, on this podcast, and most, most football fans are, you know, berating the authorities and having a pop at them. Do we now, as fans, actually have to sort of take a step back and appreciate that the authorities are almost as in the dark as we are and actually kind of give everyone, clubs, leagues, FA, players, a bit of slack because no one really knows what's going to happen over the next few months? Yeah, I think it's. I think you know, football once again is just uh, a microcosm of what the the whole world is. You know, let's be honest. It's like you know, we're all we're all learning to do things that we haven't done before, and we're all learning. You know, we're all learning that you know the world's going to be different, and it is, and it, and it is going to be different. Football is going to be different. You know, how, how this season ends and next season starts, and it's just going to be different. You know, and the 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 whole way that. Players, I don't know the whole way that players this all this contract stuff. It's very, as Andy says rightly, it's very very messy. And we as football fans, you're right, we are in the dark, and you know we like to blame, we like to blame the ref, we like to blame our own players, the opposition, managers, chairman. But you're right here, you know, there's nobody really to blame. You know, you're right, there's nobody to blame. We've just got to, we we just got to be patient. But as football fans. We aren't patient, and we are going to start demanding answers very, very quickly. Uh, but that's the nature of the that's the nature of it, isn't it? Do you think? I think in a way, and I've been thinking about this, you know, about the society in general with the virus. I think it's actually going to bring everyone a bit closer together because no one, we're all in it together. This isn't happening to one particular person, or you know, the the, the way I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I think it's you know, in in I don't know whether you can apply this to football in general, but you know, talking about the world, it's like you know. The world needs the it needs resetting. 
you know what I mean? It all needs resetting. It's like, let's, can we just wipe, wipe this board clean and start again? Do you know what I mean? And I think that's, and I think, you know, we are, I think society will hopefully learn a lot from this, you know, and therefore if society learns a lot from it, hopefully that will go down to football, you know, it'll go down to the way we, we are with opposition fans. And of course there's always going to be rivalries. I love all that, but hopefully it won't be quite as nasty as it can be in some quarters. I'm not talking about Palace, of course, because we're not like that. Speaking of wiping the slate clean, we've had a question from a Mr. Wayne Hart Loveless. And Wayne says, uh, should the league be cancelled? No winners, no losers. Then Liverpool can feel the same pain as Palace when our European tour 1991 was cruelly snatched away <laughs> because they let Liverpool back into Europe. Bitter grapes, moi, he's put. Um, what do you think... Uh, Enders, should we should should they restart the league? It's, it's the big question, isn't it? Stop the league, restart it. What do you do? I don't think they do. I think they will just. I, what I think should happen is that they will they will start the league as soon as they can, and they will finish up the nine or ten games there are. Is it nine or ten games left? Yeah. Nine, I think. Yeah, nine. I think they will get those done in a month, in a calendar month. And if that means starting the next season a week later or two weeks later, then so be it. Um, I think the fact we've had this long break here, it's up to the players and the clubs to keep themselves fit, mentally sharp. And, you know, that's going to be a real test. Yeah. That's going to be a real test, you know. And I think, you know, obviously, look at the Premier League. It's pretty obvious who's going to win it. Um, the relegation is all up and down and Europe and everything like that. What, what, I, what I think will happen, well, no, what I would like to happen is that the league finishes, but it all happens in, you know, literally over the space of a month. And then the next season starts, and there'll be very little gap between the two. I imagine. I can't imagine any games before June, anyway. To be honest. Yeah, I think they will. I think for the integrity of the league, they will try the hardest to finish it. I mean, Andy, we've had a question here from Dave Manley. Hi, Dave. And he says, "Is it imperative to finish the season above all else to avoid the litigation that would follow?" No, I think the litigation bit should be embraced at uh, all costs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So whatever keeps lawyers in uh, bread and honey the most, I, I fully endorse. I, I don't I mean, know why I bothered asking. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think the scenario which would end up being most litigious would be voiding the season. You, again, you described some of the issues during the last podcast, not least relegation, because the difference between being in the Premier League and being in the EFL is substantial. And if you don't give those clubs the opportunity to try to stay up, um, it's it's going to undoubtedly end up with a series of different lawsuits being brought by those clubs. Um, and to avoid all of those is, is quite a complex issue legally. So I, I think they'll, they'll have to try to find some way to finish the league. And I think they'll probably find a way of doing so, whether that ends up being, you know, jumpers for goalposts and, uh, games every 10 minutes or if it ends up being you know effectively a mini summer tournament there will be a, a way found and frankly the way that you end up spending the least on lawyers in this situation is probably by finding a way to defer postpone and then eventually play it yeah I guess I know Dave's got an extra bit in his question says you know if the season takes so long that, that to restart that we then lose a season where do the clubs sit in terms of tv money because I guess there's you know, there's TV companies putting in millions of, you know, billions of pounds into it. So they'll want money back for that, you know. And if we're playing, as Ender says, squeezing games into a month, can they all be then put on TV? 
do the TV companies lose their money? You know, there's so many questions around around that that we just don't know because we've never had this precedent before. Well, we've never had this precedent before, but equally, the, the key thing is we don't know how any of these facts are going to play out in the slightest. Um, and, you know, it may be the case that things are a lot better by June. We would all hope that they are. But equally, it's it's possible that restrictions of the type that have been announced by the government, certainly in this country this week, continue for a really long time. And if they do continue for a really long time, getting the league back on, uh, certainly with fans is difficult. Getting it back on behind closed doors is, is easier. But if I'm a broadcaster and I've spent many millions of pounds on broadcasting rights, and all of a sudden I'm broadcasting games behind closed doors that don't have the same sort of draw, atmosphere and intrigue, I would probably be starting to think about how I might claw back some of my money. So, you know, even that draws up some issues. But it's just the, the, the series of unknowns that may end up arising that mean that, you know, it's very difficult to predict what's going to be the proper solution to all of this. Uh, okay, lads, I've got a question here about stopping this season from at Johnny Thatch. Hi, Johnny, Johnny Thatch. And he says, if you could stop any season in the past... Which one would it be and why? <laughs> Enders? Oh, goodness me. Um, any season. Um, can, I offer, can I offer you my suggestion? Yeah, yeah. I would say either of the seasons under Trevor Francis or Peter Taylor. Because you knew by about September that they were going to be mid-table boring finishes. So you just, just, just stop that. Just, I, would, I would not have gone through that pain. I'd have liked to. I'd have liked to finish the uh, nineteen ninety season about ten minutes before the end of the FA Cup final. <laughs> That's a much better answer. <laughs> I'm also quite annoyed because that steals my answer. But in respect to 2015, where I wanted to end after 82 minutes when Jason Punch had just scored. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I wasted mine on Trevor Francis. Yeah, you did, Not mate. You, Actually, uh, Street, you were just talking then about sort of games behind closed doors and those kind of options. Duncan Ellis. Uh, another one of our patrons has said, will clubs provide season ticket holders access to live behind closed door streamed games as compensation? Because of course those are games that we've paid for, aren't they? Uh, I suppose that's one solution they could try to uh, enter into. But ultimately if they haven't been able to deliver their end of the contractual bargain by letting you into the match, you should really be entitled to a refund. Um, They might try to avoid dealing with those sorts of refunds by putting on live streams. But equally, that ends up running into all sorts of complications because there are existing broadcasting arrangements, contracts and uh, undertakings that mean that you can't necessarily broadcast individual games to individual sets of fans. So uh, it would be, I would imagine, pretty difficult to put a service of that type on and probably uh, would far outweigh the 300 quid or whatever that you might have left on your season ticket. In fact, no, it'd be less than that, wouldn't it? It's now five games left and season tickets, you know, generally won't be 1,500 quid. So, um, yes, difficult. Yeah, it would be difficult. It'd be interesting, Enders, to see what they do with that, wouldn't it? And, and again, going back to what we were saying earlier, as football fans, do we have to be a little bit uh, supportive of whatever decision it is because no one knows what's happening uh, when it comes to our season tickets? We, we can be supportive now because nothing's going on. As soon as people start making decisions, then of course we'll be as angry as we always are. <laughs> because because whatever decision is going to be made, somebody's not going to be happy about it. It's it's just that's just the way it is in football. You know, it's, it's the same with VAR. It's the same with referees. It's the same with anything. 
you know, whatever decision is made by by the Premier League, by you know the Football League, by the Czech, whoever makes these decisions, there's going to be somebody somewhere unhappy about it. But that's you know, but it's it, it's these are as we've said so many times, and you know the uh, new buzzword in the English language, unprecedented. You know, it's all unprecedented. You know, nobody nobody even knew what that word was two weeks ago. Nobody knows what it even means, but everybody says it every third sentence. I love it. It's unprecedented that we're saying the word unprecedented so much. <laughs> it's unprecedented that we're still here doing this. It's unprecedented we're on Skype. It's unprecedented. Finish the season after th- the last. Just take the last three games. Take the last three games, and let's just that be the season. Yeah, because we because we'd be top. We'd be top exactly. It's unprecedented, that, isn't it? Uh, that would be unprecedented. Um, let's wrap up part one. There's a question from Kath Bignall. And Kath says, um, which player are you particularly enjoying following on any form of social media during this football-free period of isolation? And Andros, for his participation in the football ultimate quarantine. He wasn't doing very well, though. Um, Guaita, for his interaction with the fans. Kells, Joel, PVA for baby picks or another. Players... Uh, enders have really stepped up their social media game, haven't they, in this shutdown? Well, yeah, they have to, don't they? Because they're being being a foot. Most footballers demand attention, don't they? Which is why they love playing in front of twenty five thousand people to sixty thousand people a week. And all of a sudden, they're not getting that. They're not getting the. They're they're not hearing their name ringing out, uh, and so they just crave attention. And you know, all all social media is just one basically crying for attention. I should know. I love social media. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the attention. Um, I don't follow many footballers because I just like to follow people that follow me. Do you know what I mean? It's called a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> An unprecedented narcissist. Um, I'm going to get a T-shirt saying unprecedented narcissist on. I've got copyright on that phrase, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been enjoying uh, Andros Townsend uh, very much sort of breaking free from the media-trained uh, not having pops at other teams by, by hammering Brighton every day on his Twitter account which has been great and anything else kept caught your eye Street? Uh, I, I saw uh, Oxlade Chamberlain dancing up the stairs with his um, uh, other half which was quite amusing but then I mean ultimately a footballer spends lots of time in Massive House without having much uh, access to the public it's probably not all that unprecedented a time for footballers generally so very true oh god these are unprecedented way too many times do you know what we're going to wrap up part one there we're going to wrap up this unprecedented (laughs) after the break uh we've got an article from our sponsors the athletic It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to part two of the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey, hey. hey. The isolation pod. 
pod 237. And of course, in part two, we read an article from our uh, sponsors, The Athletic. They're a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. They're a subscription-based website and app, and they're completely ad-free. No annoying pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can get a 30-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Now, lads... Do you know what I really liked, JD? I really liked that even when you had an athletic senior writer sitting next to you last week, you did this same bit at 200 miles an hour. Shameless. <laughs> Time is money, my friend. Time is money. <laughs> um, now, lads, in part three, we're going to be choosing our best ever Palace team. But for part two, we've got an article about a striker that I don't think is going to make it into our best ever team. But he was there during a very memorable time and very nearly scored one of the most memorable goals in our history. Unfortunately, being Palace, it wasn't meant to be. We're, of course, talking about Nicola Ventola and that 2004-2005 season. Now, Dom Firefield, obviously, who was on the pod last few weeks, chatted to Ventola. And there's a very in-depth, interesting article about his time at Palace. Uh, and I'm going to read out a quote here about that particular game, that penultimate game, last home game of the season against Southampton, when just a win would have pretty much kept us up. And Ventola scores late on. And of course, we all know that Danny Higginbottom then equalised for Southampton late, late into injury time. And that was the goal that really sent us down. And on that moment, Ventola says, we all thought that was our moment that the goal would keep us up. If we'd beaten Southampton, a direct rival, we would have been a point clear of the bottom three at the end of the day, given Norwich's win over Birmingham. And it would have been in our hands. But for me personally, I also thought it was the goal that would keep me in England. I'd already spoken to the club and we'd drawn up the contract for the following season that would kick in if we stayed up. I was out of contract at Inter and keen to stay in the Premier League. So the idea to stay together for me and try and demonstrate what I could do when I fit in to do better than we'd done in that first year back up. I felt I had to give them something to say thank you for their patience. Inter were nice to me. And saw that I wanted to repay Palace and were happy to let me sort out my own future. They had worked with me while I was injured too. But in the end, the contract hinged on staying in the Premier League. That had to happen. For those next 18 minutes or so, everything was going to plan. Of course, Endicott. <laughs> Endicott, I feel like, you know, it's very Palace, isn't it? We all know yeah. what was, was going to happen. Typical <laughs> Typical Palace. But I mean... That was a crazy season. And I remember Ventilla signing. And actually from this article that Dom's written, I didn't realise Ventilla joined us at the start of the season, actually, and, was, and then was injured for so long. I just thought he joined us in, in January. And Palace had been very patient. And it looked, didn't it, that goal when he took it, it was such a crisp volley as well. It looked like that was going to be it, doesn't it? And, and yeah, the rest is history. But I guess in that moment, can you remember what you thought when Ventilla scored? Can you remember that goal? I can't. <laughs> I've been trying to search it on YouTube for the last five minutes, but I can't get on the internet because I've got this Skype thing going on. It's using up all my broadband. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Life's so weird at the moment. What I love about this story is that, 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 you know, legends and football moments can be, you know, made or broken within minutes. You know, if, if that goal, you know, if we, we hadn't stayed up by that goal, he he would have, and I think he says in the article, I did read a little bit earlier, he, he would have been a Palace legend for that one goal. He would have never played again. So it's quite weird that he's not. And, you know, of what happened, it's just it's just that, you know, these these days that thin line is either a toe or it's an elbow or a, a, or a streak of hair. But 
but back then it was a it was a goal or not a goal, and yeah, it's a, it just shows how fragile the game is. Yeah, you're right. I think he would have he would have become certainly a cult hero. I think even if he'd scored that goal and then actually not signed for us the next season or not played again because it would have been so big. But Andy, it was a kind of a weird signing because you know he had a big reputation in Italy, played at, scored goals at Bari, went to Inter for a big money move. He was it was quite a sort of quite a coup really, wasn't it, to get a player like him? And I think he was only twenty seven at the time, so it was it was quite an ambitious signing for Palace in terms of uh, of our history. Yeah, and it also followed on from our fabled pedigree of signing uh, Italian strikers with previously good careers uh, in the mould of Michele Panavolo. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and massive injury problems. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I remember that as with Padovano when. When it was announced that we'd signed Venstar, I was incredibly excited. And uh, then we obviously saw very, very little of him indeed, uh, apart from that one very exciting moment in an otherwise disappointing game and outcome. Um, but yeah, it was kind of part of a period for Palace where uh, much was promised and little was delivered, uh, ultimately. you know, And much things may now be a lot more boring and it may not be the case that you make these sort of signings now where you can think, Oh wow, that's, that's really exciting. Equally. We don't tend to generally now sign players where you get incredibly excited for five minutes and then it proves 12 months down the line that actually they're another crock that isn't actually going to make it. Yeah, I think that's true. And actually that same with the previous season in the Premier League with like you say, Padovano and we were signing, Oh, who is that? Who is that other Italian midfielder we signed? We signed some, other ageing tally midfielder at that time. Ah, who was that? Patricio something, I don't know. But we did, in both those season enders, we just, we gambled so much. I remember Ivan Caviedes coming in the January of 2005. We really, really gambled. And Andy's right, we've now actually changed our tune massively in every signing we make, really. You know how they're going to fit in. You know their history. You can rest assured they're going to be okay. It's a world away from that era of the 90s and 2000s where we just gambled every week. You didn't, you didn't know. You'd, you'd turn up on a Saturday and you genuinely wouldn't know who would be in the starting 11, whether it was the same team from last week or some new random Italian we'd signed. It was a very different time to be a Palace fan, wasn't it? But it was also very exciting to sign somebody who, who had previously played for Inter Milan. I mean, just, just that in itself was... You know, I mean, we'd had a few signings from from Europe before, but this was, you know, again, it was just Inter Milan. Are you sure we got actually got two two players at that, that, that time, didn't we, from Inter Milan? You know, him and the other guy, Sorondo. Yeah, you know, it was just like what two players from Inter coming to Palace who wanted to come here. It was just it was exciting. Whereas now, it wouldn't be, you know, it would be exciting, but it wouldn't have the same wow factor as it did then. You know. And I think that's, you know, that's, well, that's just how the game's changed. It's just become a, a, a lot more global, what with TV and social media and everything like that. But that's just, that's, hey, that's progress, guys. <laughs> Do you know what that is? That's unprecedented progress. That's progress. unprecedented progress. Um, actually, Andy, I think we, it, it make, reading, reading these stories and thinking back to those, those days under Dowie and Koppel, it makes me realise that we, where we are now, we are where we wanted to be then. You know, if you'd have told us back in 98 or 2005 we'd be seven years in the top flight and we'd be signing proven Premier League players we'd be signing players like Kabai you know Mamadou Sako you know or proven European players we'd have bitten your hand off we are now exactly where we wanted to be at that time when everything was absolutely crazy 
Yeah, we are. And um, it's interesting. I just remember uh, the number of games where I'd watch where in those pivotal moments like Danny Higginbotham scoring late in that same game that Fenton scored. And just thinking to myself, why do this lot always have to let me down? Why, 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 when I get it to a certain level of expectation, do they have to confound my small glimmer of hope by going, no, no, we're going to snatch that away and not even get to a level of mediocrity that puts our heads slightly above the water. So it's a bit weird now, frankly, just being um, unprecedentedly uh, uh, <laughs> professional and competent. I don't like it. It's weird. Uh, it's not weird. It's great. It, this is this is what we asked for. We all asked for this, and and we're getting it. And it's why I think we need to enjoy it as long as possible. Because that's that fantasy football is always fantasy football. Do you know what I mean? It's it's when you when you end up signing these players from Inter Milan or wherever and Sampdoria or wherever we signed them from in the past, it's just you you enter into these realms where you never thought you'd get to. And I think you know even even to this day, you know with. Palace, you we you know we can bring in players like Max Max Meyer, you know, with you know the, the whole hype surrounding him and how he was like the uh, new Messi from Germany and whatever. It's just like you know we we still get excited by these players coming in, even though our league is littered with players from all over the world. We as Palace fans, and I guess they do it in, in other clubs as well, but you know us as Palace fans, we still get excited by these things and hearing these s- stories like the one you know, from the Athletic article about this odd player here, there, it's, it just brings it all back, that those those hairs on the back of your neck, this 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 person's come in with all this expectation, sometimes it works, and most of the time it doesn't, but it's still exciting, and that's what keeps us going, it's what keeps us going, and keeps going back, and keeps paying our money, and keep having high hopes, and even there's times like this when there's no football, in fact, this is, you know what's going to re- ha- happen really weirdly with this long break we're having, our expectations of the future are just going to be so high, they're going to be so high, aren't they, we are just going to be unstoppable, because our team will have been training in the close season, or the close season and a half, or close two seasons, whatever it's going to be, we are going to be at you know, the peak fitness, we're going to be mentally better than everybody else, and we're just going to steamroll through everybody, it's very exciting. Well, obviously, this is this is the moment where Palace's hundred and hundred whatever year history is going to change. Twenty twenty is the year that it's all going to change. From now on, we're going to dominate. Fact, you heard it here first. <laughs> it's 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 unprecedented. It's unprecedented the way that we are going to steam forward. We're going to become the champions of Europe by about twenty twenty three. Fact. Good, good. Well, at least you're not raising your expectations too much. Oh God. <laughs> Can I just read you the end of the article? I don't normally, but there's a really nice, almost poetic end from Ventilla. He says, I still look out for Palace's results. I have more interest in them than what's happening at the top of the table for Liverpool and Man City. It's so good to see them established now in the Premier League, although it makes me wonder what might have been had we held on that day. Still, at least we can dream for a bit, which is better than never at all. He's true. Well, it's interesting. He was, uh, the guy who was interviewing him, he was a, a Palace fan, so he was bound to say that, wasn't he? <laughs> You're so pessimistic, right? I, I, I like that pessimism and endorse it. Okay. Anyway, you can read that article and many more at The Athletic. And I have to say, they are being very creative with a lot of their content at the moment because they have to. And there's a lot of good articles, not just on Palace, but on football in general. At theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, where you can get a 30-day free trial and receive 50, yeah, 50% off your yearly subscription. Right. After the break, we're doing it, lads. We're creating the best ever Palace team. 
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Yay! Pod two thirty seven. The isolation is uh, making us go a bit stir crazy, and we're still here. We will be here every week throughout this break with various Palace themed podcasts. So uh, I know everyone's got a lot of time to fill now with this uh, lockdown. We will be here, and we'll be getting very creative uh, with what we talk about. And this week. It's official. We are coming up with the official FYP greatest ever Palace team. Lads, Enders, have you been thinking about this? Yeah, a little bit. I have, actually. And was it, was it a hard one to think about this or, or did it kind of come to you? I think, yeah, I guess, are we looking over the last sort of, are we just looking at the Premier League era or are we looking further back? Ever. 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 Okay, well, there's a few dead certs in there, isn't there? There are. And I think, yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few we agree on. Andy, I nearly put a stipulation on this and said, because I saw this doing the rounds on Twitter, that we pick our best ever team, but one player from each country. But I thought that might be a bit too, a bit too harsh. Iran? That's not a country. <laughs> but there's players from there. Okay, no, I kept it, you know, I've kept it, I've kept it straightforward. So, all right, let's crack on. Um, with goalkeeper and what I've also done is now Kevin Day was going to be on the pod today but um, had to drop out uh, late on but he's sent us his best ever well, what's he up to where's he gone he's got, imp- he's got go important anywhere. showbiz things to do um, he's had to go to his living room <laughs> sorry lads can't do the podcast got a prior engagement whereabouts in my kitchen I don't think he listens to the pod so that's fine um, he sent me his best ever 11 so what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll give you his suggestion for a goalkeeper and then we'll see what you guys go for. I think... That's a good way of doing it. I think we might be split on this one. but uh, And I think this might be possibly uh, a position that comes down to uh, the age of fan you are. But anyway, Kevin has gone for Mr. Nigel Martin. Enders. Who are you going to go for for goalkeeper in our best ever team? Best ever team. Um, Nigel Martin means a lot to me because he was there when, you know... He was there at that FA Cup semi-final in 1990, which I will always have, you know, close to my heart. Julian obviously was a great, great um, servant for the club. Was he the best goalkeeper we've ever had? Probably wasn't. No, um, I think I would. I think I would go with uh, Kev on that one. I'll probably say Nigel Martin. Andy, I think it's really between three people, isn't it? It's between Julian, Nigel, and if you're a fan of a certain age, probably Mr. John Jackson. Um, who are you going to go for? Vicente Guaita. <laughs> I, I knew doing this that Andy's going to be facetious through the whole thing. I really wanted Andy to say Wayne Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am... Celsi will kill me for not saying Julian. Um, but I, I have nothing to go on from Johnny Jackson because I I'm, wasn't around to, to see him. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with Nigel Martin. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Celsius and I talk about this quite a lot, actually. And 
uh, this, 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 we talk about Julian quite a lot, actually, because um, obviously he means a lot to both of us. And Selzy always tells me that Julian is the most influential Palace player ever. Um, and his argument being that he's, when you think about the eras he's been through with us, in terms of when he joined and what he's been through, the ups and downs, and now being the goalkeeper that was there at the beginning of our longest ever stint in the Premier League. It is kind of hard to disagree with that, I think, in terms of an influential player on a team and in terms of someone that meant something to the fans and to his teammates. And you think about the way people talk about uh, Julian in terms of former teammates. I think it's really hard. I think I'm actually going to go with Jules on this one. Um, maybe maybe because I'm a bit younger, but I just think he's been so, so influential for us. But is, is it, are you talking about somebody who was the best goalkeeper or the most influential they are two different things, aren't they? I'd say, I'd say, they, over, uh, I'd say they overlap, you know. And Jul- Julian w- was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. He won Player of the Year four, four years in a row, or three years in a row, four years overall, which no one else has ever done. So, you know, you have to, you have to be pretty good to, uh, to do that. But I do understand why people might go for Nigel, and I understand why people of an, an older age might go for someone like John Jackson, who really, behind... Uh, what was it Banks and Clements was probably the third best goalkeeper in England at the time. So it's a difficult one, Andy, isn't it? It's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, you would say that Nigel Martin obviously played in the FA Cup final with us in our highest ever league position, but the team that surrounded him was all round better than the team that stayed up in the first year in the Premier League for us. Um, so, you know, I can certainly see the argument from Selzy, but I'd never tell him that. <laughs> uh, so hang on. So Andy, your vote was for Martin as well, wasn't it? It, it was for Martin, yeah. Just I think the the additional level of international distinction and playing for Palace at such a high level, uh, I think probably sets him apart. Yeah, although international distinction. FA Cup final, third third in the league. Yeah, I mean Julian almost certainly should have had international distinction for Argentina, but that's a debate for another podcast. That's it. Nigel Martin is in as the goalkeeper. What do you mean in for another team? podcast? Where, where there's not any football for eight months. Yeah, we've got so we've got loads we've got loads to talk about. We could talk we could devote a whole podcast to that at some point. Um let's move on to our defence. I'm gonna make it simpler by giving us a back four. Um because that's we could debate on positions all, all day long. Left back, I think this one's gonna be probably quite easy. Kevin has gone for Kenny Sampson. I think I'd imagine he'd be probably top top of a lot of people's lists. Andy, regardless of your age, probably. I watched the Team of the 80s documentary the other day and it's just so obvious what he was a class above his team then at the, at the age of 18 or 17. Like, the guy was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, there's enough footage that even if you weren't around at, at that specific time, you can see how technically gifted and um, uh, able he was. Uh, I, I think the only player that fans will talk about coming close in left back is probably Ashley Cole, who obviously wasn't our player and was only there uh, for a limited amount of time, obviously went on to amazing things, was good with us, but certainly probably wasn't yet quite at the level that Kenny Sampson was while he was with us. So, yeah, I, th- I think that one's probably quite un- uncontroversial. Uh, so, I would go with Kenny Sampson. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the, the two left backs there, Enders, are two left backs that didn't really spend that long with us. I would give a shout out to Dean Gordon, um, who's yeah. maybe not as, as, probably wasn't as technically gifted as either of those two players, certainly not Kenny Sampson, but. Um, very exciting player to watch and he had a, a lethal left foot and he was uh, and he was a great player but I think I would definitely go with Kenny could I, could I, do, I mean I think I'd probably go with Kenny as well can I just chuck in uh, Patrick Van Arnholt you know is, is, a, is a 
has been very good for us. Uh, but, but, he's, but he's not a great defender, is he? He's not a great defender, but he's playing in a, he's playing in an era of football where fullbacks almost aren't asked to be defenders anymore. They're asked to be attacking wingbacks, and he's very good at that. He's an international quality. Uh, he's a very, very, very good player. And maybe systematic of the fact that we are so good as a team now elsewhere. You know, I think Kenny Samson was the best player in that team at the age of 17. Dean Gordon was a very solid left-back for four or five years in two Premier League seasons. Ashley Cole was the best player in that team at 18. But PVA is a very, very good player, but he's just one of many good players in that team. Do, do you think he'll... Do you think he almost sort of suffers from that uh, Enders in, in to, to an extent, yeah, and I think it, it's hard because I think you're with both Kenny Sampson and you know the uh, other players you mentioned, Ashley Cole. They are they're very much in the traditional left back role, and I think what you've got yeah. with PVA, he's he's not in that traditional left back role. That's that position doesn't really exist anymore in the Premier League in yeah. at the level we're at, and it's almost like a different game. Uh, it's that position you, you have to be able to dart dart down the down the wing and and be a wing as much as a a left back, and I think he's he's uh, a great exponent of that art. I think there's a lot of better players who could do that around. We haven't had them at Palace yet. So in terms of the the modern left back, you know, however you want to call it, he is definitely up there. Yeah, do you, do you know what? I think there's going to be a theme of nostalgia running through this uh, this best eleven, and we are we are nothing if we're not nostalgic on this pod. Which is why, for his right back, Kevin has gone with. Speak for yourself. He said it's why uh, with his right back, Kevin's gone with Aaron Wambasaka. Really? What do you think about that, Andy? I'm surprised that Kevin's gone with uh, a very modern player. Well, who else, who, else, who else would be in the running for that? That's a good question, <laughs> but I've given no prior thought to. I, I think that it's, it's a shame we only really had him for a season because I think, you know, the, the, the level he was playing at after in such a short space of time was unprecedented. Yeah, but it was. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> well, the thing is, Enders, he falls into that. He does. Fall, he, he, he he actually he falls it. He falls into. Um, oh God, isolation's getting to us. He falls into the Kenny Sampson bracket in a way. He's almost like the Kenny Sampson of the 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 you know 2019. He's a young lad from our academy, miles better than than a lot of the team at. Uh, well, he's a bit older, 21-22, and then went off to a bigger club. So it's almost like we've got the, the Kenny of of the modern era in Wambasaka, and players like that just don't hang around at Palace, unfortunately, when they are that good. Some do. Well, some maybe go and then come back again. Yeah. Um, I think Wambasaka is an incredible talent, is yet to obviously reach his peak yet, and I, you know, I, I hope for his sake that um, he reaches the heights that he's destined for. And he's not hampered by playing in a shit team. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, in, I mean, Samson went on to you know be a very, very good left back England international. I think there are other options here, Andy. Like, for example, Joel Ward, perhaps, given his service and how he's come up from the Championship. That was exactly the name I was going to suggest, Joel Ward. When you think about the period of time he's been at the club, uh, and has been our first choice right back for most of our time, our most successful time in the Premier League. A very underrated player, but a very, very good servant and a very solid defender. Johnny Humphreys was good. Pemberton as well. Pemberton. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Pemberton, not Humphreys. I'm, getting, oh. I'm, get, I'm just getting my Johns mixed up. Johnny Pemberton. Yeah, Johnny, 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 Johnny Pemberton. Oh, yeah. 
Johnny Pemberton, not Johnny H. Johnny P. Uh, oh, Johnny Johnny. Johnny. Right back's a right back's a weird position, isn't it? We've had quite a few. I'm a, I mean, I remember Mark Edworthy playing at right back for Palace. So I thought oh, we, we are not Edworthy. This isn't just remember players in a certain position, JD. They've got to at least get to some level of aptitude. That's why we're picking a best of all time. Well, Edworthy was. I mean, I'm not saying Edworthy is in there for best of all time, but he was player of the season in the Premier League for us. I mean, yes, we finished bottom, but he was still, you know. <laughs> yes, but Leon caught one player of the season for us once. Let's say Aaron. I think I agree with Andy on this. I actually think I would probably go for Joel Ward. Basically, I'm going to go for any player that I've met on a podcast. So, Joel Ward gets in. Uh, that, that actually means I've got to reverse my previous choice as well. Genius Veroni, Kenny Sampson, Joel Ward. Enders, you, you, Enders, you got the deciding vote here. Um, I'm going to go Joel Ward. Yes, love it. Wardy is in it right back in our best ever team. Uh, right, do you want to hear the centre-backs that Kevin's gone for? Go on. Yes. I think hmm, I think we might end up going similar. He's gone for... Eric Young. Yes. And Jim Cannon. What a centre. You're not getting past them, are you, Enders? You're certainly not getting past them. Um, Ninja, without a doubt. I saw Ninja week in, week out at his time at Palace, and he was amazing. Um, he even made Andy Thorne look good. <laughs> I was a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Eric the Ninja. He was, um, he was amazing. Jim Cannon I never saw. But I've seen enough clips and know enough people who talk about him. And obviously, he was one of the greats. So I think he's got to be there. Well, this is the thing, Andy. Like, if we're going back to my uh, my stipulations for Speroni, which was the impact he's had on on the club, then you, Cannon is very similar to that. Six hundred and sixty games for Palace. You know, played for the team of the eighties, was an absolute stalwart for us, and was a very very good defender. So I think that probably puts him high up on the list. But, what, would you include him and and Young in your uh, your best ever team? Well, I mean, you could probably make an argument that you'd pick a pairing from our current centre backs because they're probably some of the best centre backs technically that we've ever had. Gary Cahill, for example, has won a Champions League. Um, Mamadou Sakho's played for PSG and Liverpool. Um, and with, with all due respect to Jim Cannon, Jim Cannon wasn't in that echelon of football, but equally in terms of impact for Crystal Palace and perception by fans and affection for that player amongst fans then it would be a very heartless person that says Gary Cahill must come above Jim Cannon so I'm going for Gary Cahill I knew, I knew that was I coming I knew you were going to do that <laughs> <laughs> I mean Enders he does he has a point doesn't he and of course all these these sort of lineups are very difficult because you're comparing players from incredibly different eras of football. And he's right. I mean, Mamadou Sacco is such a brilliant defender. And technically, we probably do have, you know, James Tompkins is, is superb. Scott Dan has been absolutely brilliant for us over the last five, six years. So, should we maybe go down a route where we sort of pay a nod to those uh, defenders from the past, but we also maybe include a current defender as well? I, I, I don't think you can have the best Palace team ever without having Jim Cannon in it. I just don't think it would be right. It would not be right, Andy Street. Jim Cannon is, is uh, a Palace legend and a very nice chap, so I think he, he will deserve uh, a position in that team. I think you're absolutely right. I think Cannon has to be in. But I want to play him against... Uh, I want to play him with someone more recent as well. So I'm going to go for Jim Cannon and... Mamadou Sako, just to be a really maverick pairing at the back and just to really annoy Enders. I, I would have, I, 
Absolutely no way is Sacco in the best team. Absolutely no way. What, France international, PSG player, Liverpool player? X, X, X. <laughs> why, why, why? Not good enough. He's, I like Sacco. I think he's absolutely, he's brilliant. I think he's, he's that, that um, end of the season when he joined us on loan from Liverpool, he was our best player. He got, you know, he got nominated for player of the season after six games or whatever. The guy, the impact he had that season was un... He turned you don't put around. somebody in the best Palace team of all time because of six games. I mean, I think, Ender, I think we can agree that uh, Jim Cannon would absolutely hate playing alongside Mamadou Sacco because he would all his little turns and uh, tricks in the box Cannon would absolutely have at none of that would he no that's why I want them playing together <laughs> all right well look I I, I agree with both of you we need a modern defender in so if we if we don't have Sacco do we maybe um, have well why not why, why not go for or Dan Cahill why not go for Cahill but are you saying we can't have Sacco after five games Cahill's only been here He's only played 25 games. Yeah, but he's, games, but he's a good defender. And he doesn't make a glaring mistake every single game. Why, why, look, why don't, we, why don't we pick a, a modern defender who's played a fair amount of games for us? Scott Dan? Uh, I mean, I, think, I actually don't think Scott Dan is an unfair shout. You think about how good he was over those... You know, one of the reasons we stayed up that first season when he came in. One of the reasons we got our... Uh, that high season finish under um, Pardew, one of the reasons we got to the cup final. You know, a very, very good defender who is still performing for us now at the highest level. Yeah, I'll accept that one. Yeah, I'll accept that one. I, I, I was going to say my, my good friend, Matt Lawrence, but he wasn't a very good defender, so... <laughs> but a nice guy. <laughs> All right, okay, Scott Dan is in. Um Formation-wise, in midfield, Kevin has gone three in the middle, three up front. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Would you rather go four across the middle and two up front? No, I'd go five in the middle and one up front. (laughs) Of course you would. (laughs) All right, I'm going to overall that. We're going to go four in the middle and two up front. Classic 4-4-2. So I'll tell you the three midfielders that uh, Kevin has gone for. He's gone for Jeff Thomas, Attilio Lombardo, and... Jerry Murphy. How are we feeling about those? I feel like Lombardo and Thomas should probably be in there. I'm going with Thomas, Jedinak, Gray. I thought you were going to say O'Keefe. Well, no, he, he, he's up front. <laughs> I agree with Street on Jedi. Yeah, I agree on I mean, I will say Kevin's put Jedinak on the bench, by the way. He's done a bench, even though I didn't ask him to. Um, and he's put Jedinak in there. I think Jedinak as well. Um, sim- I mean, similar to Speroni and Dan, you know, someone that's been there, taken us from the lower level, captained us in the cup final, had such a big impact on us. Um, also been on the podcast as well. So maybe we should just do 11 of players that have been on the pod. Yeah. So is Andy Gray. Now you see my correlation. Andy Gray. Yeah, I forgot Andy Gray was on the podcast. Uh, well, I think, I think we go two midfielders in the middle. I think Jednet has to be one of them. And I personally would go for Jeff Thomas as the other one. Jeff was my first hero as a Palace fan. First player I got on the back of my shirt. Um, but I don't know. Do you guys want Gray? Is it, is it Gray alongside Jednak? He was fantastic to watch, Jeff Thomas. The blonde beauty. Another player that captained us to a cup final street. I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's hard to overlook that. Although Andy Gray was a, was a brilliant, brilliant defender. And the foil for Jeff Thomas, wasn't he, in that team? 
He was. He was. Um, I don't think you can drop Jednak out, though. Just give him the, the role in getting us up, keeping us up, going to the cup final. Um, just an absolute stalwart. So, yeah, Jedi's staying in there for me. So, Jedi and Jeff? Yeah. Yes. Jedi and Jeff are in. Uh, so, Kev, I think we can both all agree Jerry Murphy is not getting in the team, is he? No. <laughs> Shake of the head. Sorry, Kev. No. Uh, is, is Lombardo? No. No. Really? No. Wasn't there long enough, didn't achieve enough for Palace. Fantastic player. Absolutely sublime player. But But ultimately, we went down. He was appointed as manager and wasn't particularly good. Um, gave a couple of great moments in that season and gave us a bit of hope and uh, a bit of glamour. But unfortunately, no, you're not making it for me until the I love him. Absolutely love him, but he, he doesn't make it for me. It's tough, isn't it, isn't it Enders? Because again, we're on that um, best player versus most influential sort of player thing. And Andy's right. I mean, he was, I think he's possibly the best player Oh, behind Wilf, maybe best Palace player I've ever watched live in terms of like talent. Uh, didn't have the impact he would have hoped. Yeah, massively. Lombardo. It was like, what? Yeah. But I think Andy being level-headed, as Andy can be sometimes, is, uh, is right. He didn't, you know, we did go down. And, you know, he, he was great for Palace, but he wasn't the player that he had been. Okay, in that case, can I offer you a suggestion? No. That instead of Lombardo, we do stick with Kevin's three in the middle, and we, in, and ahead of uh, Thomas and Jednak as our midfield base, we put a number ten, and our number Stuart ten O'Keefe. is not Stuart O'Keefe because uh, he was terrible. Our ten is Jason Punchin. Punchin, ooh, I'll endorse that. Criminally, un- criminally underrated by Palace fans. I agree. Vitally important in keeping us up. Vitally important in pushing us to an FA Cup final. Nearly won us an FA Cup. Um, was vitally important under Sam Allardyce. I've never understood why he doesn't get the plaudits that I think I think he deserves. Um, so I would be more than happy to endorse Jason Punch and being in that team. And being on the podcast. Exactly. I, I told you my criteria. And he's one of our own. What do you think, Enders? Would you endorse... Punch yes, I would do because I because I really don't. If I if I don't, Andy Street might never speak to me again. Blenders, <laughs> I'm never going to see you ever again, given the isolation thing going on. <laughs> you see me now, mate. Good point. Okay, punch is in. I'm very ha- I'm really happy about that punch being in. That's a, that's very pleased with that. So we've got a front three. Kevin's front three is Ian Wright, Peter Taylor, Ooh. and and Dave Swindlehurst. I'm sorry, a, a, a best a best ever Palace eleven that doesn't have Will Saha in is not fit for purpose, Kevin. Kevin, sort your life out. Do you know what? He's not even got Wilf on the bench. What was he on about? Was he drunk when he gave you that list? Do you want to hear his bench? No, I don't want to hear anything that he's done. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, but no, there's no... I, I agree with Andy. Wilf has to be in this team. Wilf has to be there. He's, the, he's one of the first names on the team sheet for me, if you're, if you're doing that first name on the team sheet, football cliche that people do. Well, also, he's, he, he, he covers both bases of best player slash influential as well. When you think about what he's done for us on the pitch, the games he's played for us in terms of the cup final and keeping us in the, in the division, 
Um, and also just his image uh, locally, the things he does for the foundation. You know, the, he is Crystal Palace for a lot of kids that live locally. So for all those reasons, he absolutely has to be in the team. I'm astonished that anyone wouldn't pick him in the team. Okay, Wilf. Wilf has to be in the team. Wilf is in, so that leaves us two positions. So I guess we're going to go Wilf on one side, someone else on the other side, and someone else up front. Let's, let's well, any suggestions? Ian Wright's got to be in there. Ian Wright, <laughs> definitely. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one up front. We've had some iconic strikers. Andy Johnson surely has to be pushing for a, a spot in there as well. Mark Bright, who Kevin has put on the bench, of course, a fantastic striker for us as well. There are, you know, going back, Johnny Byrne, players like that. Peter Simpson obviously scored loads of goals for us back in the 30s and stuff. But I think... Uh, Thomas Brolin. <laughs> exactly. Also, also on the loads list. Loads of them. I think in terms of talent and also, again, influence, it is hard to look past righty, isn't it, Enders? It's, it's impossible to look past. He's the second person on the sheet after, after Wilf, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Wow, this is easy. I thought this would take all podcasts. This is absolutely easy. Um, but you, you did tell Kevin that this wasn't pick your favourite ever 11 players, but it's a best ever 11 players. It doesn't matter what I tell him. He would translate it any way he wanted to. Um, I'm going to tell you the rest <laughs> of his subs bench. He has gone for Guaita on the bench, Bright, Tompkins, Jed Nack, as we said, Don Rogers, AJ and Paul Hinchelwood. So <laughs> make of that bench what you will. Nice lads, one, Kev. We're left with one position now in the team, which is, I'm guessing, one of our wingers. I mean, Wilf can play on either side, so I guess it doesn't matter. Who are we going to put in that right of a front three? Ooh. Tough one. Salah? <laughs> Johnny, yeah, John Salarco, very, very good shout. Very good shout. Um, I mean, Pete, Peter, Peter Taylor, Peter Taylor is a very good shout. Yeah, well. Peter Taylor's a very good show. Uh, first, pl- first, and I think still only player to play for England while playing in the third tier of English football, which is quite an accolade. It's un- uh, it was it was unprecedented then, and it's unprecedented <laughs> now. Yeah, I mean, who else gets in? I mean, Lombardo. You could argue Lombardo maybe gets in gets no. in there. You could argue Balassi if you were going completely left field. If you wanted a front three and someone to play on the other side, Wolf and Balassi were particularly exciting together. Wilf and Balassian um, and Ian Wright together. Imagine that, those three at their prime. Yeah, exactly. What, and what exactly. a gang they would be. I don't know about Balassi. I mean, he was brilliant and he was such a good foil for Wilf, but best ever. Uh, again, I didn't feel like he was there. Oh, I guess he came up with, from, from promotion was brilliant, wasn't he, that season? I don't know. No, I, 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 I wouldn't go for Balassi. As, as another left field slash actually going to be on right of the front three, someone like Darren Ambrose? In terms of influence? No. Fantastic goal against Man United at Old Trafford. Loads of fantastic goals. They, the, the club tweeted out his, his, all his goals the other day, and they're all bangers. There's like no tap-ins. They're all amazing. But maybe it was a different level, wasn't it? I'd play Andy Johnson in the right channel just to annoy all our fans. Or like, like Sven did for England. Yes. <laughs> Don Rogers. You know, Don Rogers is a very good shout from Kevin. Did play for us in, in the top level. You know, yeah, scored twice when we beat Man United five nil. Very, very good player. Yeah. Peter Taylor as well. Uh, maybe we go a bit old school. Maybe you know we've got Wilf in there and Righty, so we've got current era, recent era. Maybe we go a bit old school for the last one. Go Peter Taylor. I'm going Peter Taylor. Peter Taylor. All right. Well, we all agree on that one with Kevin Peter Taylor. So that's it, lads. We've compiled the best ever official FYP. 
Palace. T- Wait, Ke- Andy, you, you look confused. Who would the manager be? <sighs> oh, well, what a shout. I don't know. Uh, actually, I do know. The manager would be Roy Hodgson. Do you think so? Above Koppel? <sighs> well, he's kept Palace in the top flight for longer. Yeah. True. Not been relegated on a serial basis like Steve Koppel has been with multiple Palace teams and multiple clubs. Okay. <laughs> I'll get me I'll get me coat. I mean it is it is between those two. It's definitely between those two and it's very close, but I think Roy, like Punchin, criminally underrated by a lot of football fans, maybe not Palace fans, but football fans, I think deserves a lot more credit. Uh and is probably one of, if not the reason we are still where we are today. Um so that's it. You're agreeing I'm getting thumbs up from you guys, so I'm guessing you're agreeing on uh, on Roy. Big thumbs up yeah, from those agreed. boys there. Uh, can I can I just say something, JD? Yeah. Uh, can us three be the cheerleaders? <laughs> not again, mate. Surely not again. Not after last time. <laughs> uh, just for the record, I'm pretty sure that Kevin would say Steve Koppel uh, to that. But he would have been overruled by the three of us. So our final best of a team is Nigel Martin in goal. Kenny Sampson at left back. A centre-back partnering of Jim Cannon and Scott Dan. Joel Ward at right back, Jeff Thomas, Mile Jednak, and Jason Punchin in midfield, and Ian Wright, Wilf, and Peter Taylor on the wings. What a team that is. Lads, thank you very much for helping me compile that best ever team. No worries. You're welcome. And thanks for joining me on this pod. It's, it's our first ever isolated pod, but I think it's worked, hasn't it? It's been all right. Yep, it's been good. I don't think it will be our last either. No, we're going to be here every week. We're going to keep bringing... Uh, Palace chat to our listeners um, if you've got any uh, uh, suggestions uh, our listeners for themes you want to hear us chat about in future pods let us know and we will do our best but in the meantime thank you Andy thank you James uh, go back to isolation and um, all the best for the coming week and uh, stay safe and wash your hands wash your hands and thanks for listening we're back again very soon stay safe and we hope you're well goodbye My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Sports Social Podcast Network.